The Church, in her wisdom, sets out weekly readings from the Gospels. These readings allow us to follow the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the story of our salvation. Upper Room Media presents to you the weekly Sunday homily delivered from Sydney, Australia. Amen. This is the fifth Sunday after the Holy Resurrection, after we, uh, during which we celebrate the Holy 50 days that our Lord spent with the Apostles. These are joyful days, these are reassuring days and comforting days. And as we've been speaking in the last few weeks, the readings during this joyful time relates to the joy of remembering Christ's presence among the Apostles, the resurrection of the dead, our own resurrection eventually, and the anticipation too of the receiving of the Holy Spirit so that we become temples of the Holy Spirit. But in between also there's another major feast called the Feast of the Ascension, which we'll celebrate this Thursday with a liturgy, by the way, so try to make it. Uh, today's Gospel reading focuses on the uh, anticipation of the Ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with, let not your heart be troubled, let not your heart be troubled. The verses immediately prior to this speaks about how Christ forewarned Peter that he would stumble three times. And so this must have been a very troubling time for St. Peter, right? Because he was now told that he was going to stumble uh, in the face of some sort of tribulation. And it must have been very troubling as well for the rest of the apostles, not just to St. Peter. Because to hear their leader, the one who is the most confident, the one who's the most outspoken, the one who stepped out on the water to walk with water on, uh, with Christ, this person is going to be made to stumble not once but three times. What kind of trial awaited for them, right, that, that, that would cause him to stumble? If he could, um, if he could stumble like that, then maybe all of them could stumble. They must have thought that, right? And so they were troubled. And so Christ begins saying, let not your heart be troubled. And during our Bible study on Friday, we discussed Psalm 20, which begins with very similar and comforting words. It says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. We know that David spoke these words while praying, but who is really speaking here and who is being spoken to in this psalm? Of course, we know, like all of Scripture, that it's the Holy Spirit speaking through David, and God was speaking to each of us who benefit from Scriptures to help us shape our prayers. And the Bible is everywhere telling us to let not your heart be troubled, or may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble, because troubles do exist. Troubles exist for all of us, and we all face them. And troubles are part of the human experience here on earth. Who, who is without troubles in their life, right? And the life of the believers, this could be even more so. Because the believers themselves, the Christians, they are also with troubles and sometimes even more troubles because of their faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, St. Paul says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to, to live godly in Christ. And as we will read next week, Christ himself tells the apostles, in the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. That's part of the human experience, and it's even more so for the Christian. Hang in there with me. It's not all negative, okay? So yes, we will go through tribulation, but there's a good ending to this. Whenever we follow the road of God, though, whenever we decide to put that first step towards following God to grow in our spiritual life, there are some expected opposing consequences that we will all face because of our decision to follow Christ. First, the devils become very jealous and envious of us when we do so, and so their warfare against us increases. 
that cause trouble to increase in our life. This is an attempt to make us turn away from the path that we've set uh, to go closer to God. And so the first thing you'll find is that you'll find some kind of challenge from Satan. Second, the more you follow God, the more you become opposed to the general evil norms of society. And the more you'll find resistance from those around you, those at work, those in school, those in any part of the, your sphere of life, everywhere, you will, they will, you will find yourself going against the current, and so there, you will find opposition. And that kind of opposition can vary in its uh, severity. It could be outright persecution, or it can be maybe just separating you from the crowd, or it could be um, other sorts of uh, challenges. But we, we know that Christianity has never existed in a society that's been mainstream with its beliefs, right? It's always been going against the current. Third, the more we grow in our relationship with God, who is holy and pure, the more we find opposition and struggle within our inner self, so that it causes us troubles as well. This has always been the case, these kind of three troubles that we face. It's always been the case for those who want to have a relationship with their Creator. Those who don't want to have a relationship may not suffer these things, but they'll suffer other things and, and bigger things. So some people, though, you know, some even believers with very little understanding and who get worried by some of these troubles say in their hearts, it's better not to follow God and be like everyone else in the world and not to have to suffer, suffer any kind of these kind of troubles. So they keep far from God, fulfilling Satan's wishes, conforming with an evil world and giving in to their passions. They've been overcome in battle, not because they couldn't overcome, but because they cowardly walk away from the battle. They do this to avoid troubles because of an illusion that they believed in, some sort of lie that they believed in, that those who are far from God receive comfort and peace. It's a lie, of course. Those without God live uh, with a broken conscience and have no peace of mind. And, on, and even more so on earth, and if you live a sinful life, we know that God will eventually cause many troubles to, uh, to allow you to be faced with many troubles uh, so that in an attempt for you to return. So sin never gives us a peaceful life, but it always ends up in greater troubles and greater problems. Uh, even if they do seem from the outside, and we don't know their inner life, but from the outside they, they, that they have some sort of peace and comfort, it's not a true peace and comfort. It's temporary, it's empty, it's fragile, it doesn't give them fulfillment, and one that vanishes as soon as troubles catch up with them, and they will catch up with them. But we, on the hand, other hand, my beloved, when we are faced with troubles, we should remember the words of St. Paul who says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when faced with troubles, there are ways to deal with them as Christians. When troubles start, we should be patient, first of all, and try to do even more good things. Don't despair of God's mercy when we're faced with challenges like this. Satan will dis um, despair of you instead because he'll see that all of the troubles that he's given you are in vain and that it's even used as an occasion for you to call out to God even more and to use it as a stepping stone, the, the troubles that he's given you as a stepping stone to getting closer to God. And he'll despair of you and he'll walk away rather than you being despairing of God's mercy and, and support. The next thing we should have, too, in facing these things is trust. We should trust in God's grace to stand beside us and who will support us and give us ultimate victory. Trust that any exertion you make for the Lord 
will be rewarded. Any kind of effort you go through will be rewarded, both on earth and in heaven, since each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We should trust in God before we trust in the world. Don't trust in the world, right? Even if God sends people to help you, your first place of trust should reside in God. And if God will use other people to help you, that's great, but we know where that ultimate help comes from. As also Psalm 20 says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Satan causes troubles for you because of your love for God. He'll throw a bunch of troubles at you. And then, as you're facing these troubles, he's the first one to offer help in getting out of those troubles. But obviously, that kind of help is always with the aim of taking you away from the spiritual path. Oh, are you causing, are these people thinking bad of you because you're a Christian? Then just kind of give in and compromise with what they believe. That's the solution he'll present you. He'll cause the trouble, and with it, he'll offer a solution to that trouble. And the solution he offers um, to the troubles all have that aim of taking you away and robbing you of your salvation. Don't immediately try a shortcut or some sort of unethical uh, road to avoid the trouble, but go to God first. Go to God first in any kind of trouble that we have. And may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. And as we hear today, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He promised us many, many assurances, many consolations and comforts, and he also promised us ultimate victory. He also assures us that even the hairs of our very head are all been numbered. They've all been counted by him, and they're all very valuable to him. And when we go through any kind of trouble, we also are mindful that he is mindful of our troubles. He understands our troubles. And in Isaiah chapter 63, he says, Surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior. In their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. He carries us during our troubles. So we need to understand, though, that God will oftentimes allow us to have troubles because they offer us a lot of benefit for our own spiritual life. Troubles, though, they do not come from God, but from Satan, who is envious of us. St. James, in his epistle, says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Those who don't walk with God, eventually the end is eternal death, not just death in this world. So someone who wants to abandon God because of troubles, to avoid these troubles, is actually abandoning the one who has never caused any of the trouble, and joining with forces with, this, with Satan, who is the one who caused the troubles. Uh, Pope Shenouda says that such persons are those who become uh, an enemy to his friends and befriends his enemies. Another piece of advice when dealing with troubles is to always remember others in their troubles. In Psalm 20, it goes on to say, May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Similarly, in Psalm 41, Blessed is he who considers the poor, 
Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. God remembers every offering uh, that we make. He keeps them. God remembers, for example, the offerings of the saints and the martyrs and the prophets and has mercy on us because of the offerings that they've made in their life, even sacrificing and offering their own lives. And these kind of offerings that we can make can be material. As we say in the liturgy, tithes, first fruits, vows, coverings, reading books, oil, altar utensils, we, we consider all the gifts that are given, right? That, and we ask God to bless them. They could be works of love towards others, helping others in need, giving to the poor, uh, clothing those who don't have clothing, visiting the sick, visiting those in jail. These kind of works and offerings and visitations uh, towards people in need are never forgotten be God, be, before God. And spiritual offerings as well, prayer, fasting, giving alms, things of those sorts. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as evening sacrifice. Even our own selves, when we sacrifice our own selves, of course, our time, our energy, our efforts, God never forgets those. In Romans chapter 12, St. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for us to do that. And this is what the saints have done before us. This quote by Pope Shenouda is, is really beautiful. God does not forget the cup of cold water, nor forgets the two mites of the widow, or the small portion of flour of the widow that offered it to Elijah. God is not unjust to forget the labor of love. He does not forget one step that you have taken towards church, or in a visitation, or to solve a problem. He does not forget the smile that you have smiled in the face of a depressed person, a word of comfort that you said, to comfort a grieved person. All the good that you do is stored with him, is kept, and is treasured by him. So God will remember all of our sacrifices, whether spiritual or materialistic, and then he says to us, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. So returning to today's story, our Lord tells us today, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. In the previous verse, they received a hint, again, to remind us that he, they received a, a hint of the great trials that they were about to receive, right? During the passion of Christ, during the crucifixion, and how they would all scatter and lose heart. And that Peter himself, right, the most bold of them all, would also be made to stumble when Christ is crucified. But now they're revived because of this word that he spoke to them. They're revived from their trouble, made certain that they will dwell with Christ in the presence of God after all the dangers have passed, after all the tribulations and trials have gone away. And he further, and he further assures them with the following verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where is a better place to be than to be where Christ is? In another place he says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That place where there are many mansions, our new and eternal home, that's where we have our hearts. That's where we have our attention. We each have a place in heaven, all prepared for us, for those who are baptized. 
we have to make sure that we keep it and work towards us, uh, work towards it though throughout our life, keep our focus on it. And despite any troubles that we face along the way, we're still focused on that. Our focus on this eternal home will become the driving force in our lives. It'll focus our attention, it'll focus our actions, our thinking, and our dealings with others as well. Let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, as uh, this is St. Paul in Hebrews. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the city to come. We seek the one to come because our citizenship is in heaven. It's not in this temporary world that we live in. And looking to that eternal reward, looking to that our ultimate home gives us every kind of assurance and hope to deal with any of the challenges that we face in this life, right? It gives us the ability to uh, look past it, to understand that no matter what the challenges are in this world, that they're temporary in nature, kind of like a dark cloud that flows, that you know, flies away after some time. And we know that it's temporary, but that home that we have in the future, we know that that's eternal. So we always look there. We earnestly look for that home to come as if we're like homesick, as it were. We're always to remember that we're sojourners here on earth. Our true home is in heaven. Every Christian is to remember this constantly. And we say this in a lot of the sermons, right? In the Lord's Prayer, we remember and refer to his kingdom. At the end of the creed, we recite in a spirit of prayer that we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the coming age to come. So may God grant us to always hear the comforting words of Christ to never be troubled or afraid. And may the Lord always answer us in the day of troubles, reassuring us always of his presence in our lives and his promises of our heavenly and eternal home to whom be glory forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.